Today on Buffalo What's Next, we get a closer look at the world of cosplay, anime, and comic books during a visit to Villacon at Villa Maria College, where the culture seems to welcome everyone. I grew up in Buffalo, um, and it was really, it was, it was, a uh, it was a taboo to be a nerd, to be a geek, to be someone who's interested in stuff like Dun Dungeons and Dragons, stuff that only white kids quote unquote do. Anthony Pierce of the Wakanda Alliance talks science fiction, fantasy, and the reality of race in Buffalo as he leads me on a tour of Villacon. And we'll be joined by Alexander Burgos, a Hispanic community leader and member of the Buffalo Democratic Committee, for a talk of the key issues for the Hispanic and Latino communities on Buffalo's west side. That's all ahead on Buffalo What's Next. First, the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. Former President Donald Trump will be arraigned in New York City today. He's expected to face charges stemming from hush money payments made to an adult film star during the 2016 presidential campaign. The Manhattan District Attorney issued an indictment against Trump last week, marking the first time a former U.S. president will face criminal charges. NPR's Andrea Bernstein is outside of the courthouse in Lower Manhattan this morning, where the former president will arrive later this afternoon. At some point in the middle of the day, we're told, he will be arriving, he will be fingerprinted, he will be processed, he will be taken into the courtroom on the 15th floor, and he will be read the charges. The indictment has been sealed uh, up until this moment, but our understanding is that he will be charged with some combination of felonies having to do with falsifying business records. That's NPR's Andrea Bernstein reporting. Later tonight, Trump is scheduled to deliver a primetime speech at his home in Florida. Voters are heading to the polls in Chicago to choose a new mayor. NPR's Giles Snyder reports on today's mayoral runoff election. Chicago voters are choosing between the top two vote-getters from February's municipal election. Former Chicago Public School CEO Paul Vallis finished first, and Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson came in second. The city is holding a runoff because neither candidate won more than 50 percent of the vote. Both Vallis and Johnson are Democrats, and they're seeking to succeed incumbent Lori Lightfoot in a race that seems to be turning on public safety issues. Lightfoot was eliminated after placing third in February. Johnson is a former teacher and union organizer who has won the endorsement of the Chicago Teachers Union. Vallis has backing from the police union and the business community. Giles Snyder, NPR News. Stocks on Wall Street showed little movement this morning as oil prices continue to climb. NPR's Scott Horsley reports the Dow Jones Industrial Average slipped about seven points in early trading. News over the weekend that Saudi Arabia and other major oil exporters plan to cut production next month continues to put upward pressure on crude oil prices, but retail gasoline prices showed little movement overnight. AAA says the average price at the pump for regular is still around $3.51 a gallon. Tesla's electric cars don't need gasoline. The company posted record deliveries in the first three months of the year following a price cut. Tesla faces increased competition, though, from other EV manufacturers. And British authorities have fined the popular video-sharing app TikTok for allowing children under 13 to use the site. TikTok says it takes precautions to make the app off-limits to young people. Scott Horsley, NPR News, Washington. On Wall Street, the Dow was down 22 points. This is NPR News in Washington.
Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Jarl and Pamela Mohn, focusing on civil liberties, foster youth, public radio, and the arts. And the Public Welfare Foundation, committed to advancing transformative youth and criminal justice reforms. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. Today on Buffalo What's Next, we're going to go back a couple of Saturdays for an event we visited. The Afrofuturist group, the Wakanda Alliance, invited us to join them at Villacon. The event at Villa Maria College is based on Comic-Con, where cosplay, comic books, and anime draw huge crowds. Leading us on the tour of Villacon is Anthony Pierce, one of the leaders of the Wakanda Alliance. What brings uh, the Galactic Tribe to Villacon today? We've had an ongoing relationship with Villacon, or with Villa Maria College. They invited us out to a couple different events throughout the past few years. Um, everything from like a cultural day to local uh, organization day. And so, you know, they put a lot of trust in us and went, they wanted to do something big this year. So we said, we can give you all something big. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Anthony, I got to ask you. So I got to meet you over at the Delvin Grider for your event over there uh, back after Thanksgiving. And here we are today. Both times, you've been dressed a little differently, okay? Yeah. Now, what about today? What am I seeing today? All right, so today I was going to do a full outfit. You know, cosplay is really big. Um, I've done cosplay before. Today is kind of just toned down. I was going to do, so it's also my birthday weekend, by the way. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm an Aries, and so I decided to twist my locks in the shape of a ram. So that's what I'm going with today. I'm just being a full-out Aries. I'm super excited. Um, turning a good age. I'm, I'm always turning a good age because I'm loving life every year. So Nice. Yeah. nice. You know, I got to sit in a little bit before for your presentation earlier, and, and I haven't seen you do pre presentations before. Mm. I'm fascinated by the amount of research you do, and you know, you're considered an Afro-futurist, mm -hmm. but you look back to find, it seems to me, things for the future. And it was interesting that the story you told me about astrology or not oh, astronomy rather that, yeah, that, yeah. that developed in Africa tell me that story yeah so um, the Dogon tribe I forgot exactly which region they're from but they found ways to chart the stars using very minimal instruments in order to see where the major stars were things that a lot of uh, we'll say Western uh, astronomers didn't find until let's say thousands of years later right and the, the funny part is or the interesting part is that they got according to their myth they got it from some aliens who descended to the, to the earth, right? And so that might be far-fetched because of our cultural history, but to them, that's what they know as their cultural history. So it's interesting how accurate they were because they were actually like super accurate when they, when they figured this out. And isn't that kind of, as I learn and learn and learn, mm. that it's kind of a common thing of sorts, unfortunately, that things that came out of Africa have kind of not gotten the 
the light that they deserve, it deserves? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely why we do what we do. It's because there is truth out there. There are people who don't want you to know the truth, but there's people who, who can share the truth, and the truth is going to set everybody free. So uh, we're just on a mission to, to, to awaken up whoever's going to listen, no matter what their demographic is. If they respect the information, they respect the people who the information is coming from, we have an opportunity to build there. Now, let's talk about Villacon. Now, have you been to Comic-Cons before? Yes, I have. Tell me about those. Yeah, I haven't been to like the New York Comic Con right. or San Diego, but I've been to ones here in Buffalo, New York, which are, they're great. Like they have a lot of different uh, outfits. I've seen full-size Transformers, people in like big suits moving around. So I've seen that. Um, I've also been to Blurred Con. That was one of my first out-of-town experiences. And Blurred Con, um, Blur, Blur stands for Black Nerd, right? We had to have our own language um, to maintain our own space. And that was important because for that very reason I just stated is that we... You know, sometimes a black person will cosplay as a non-black character. And even though they love the character, they'll get flack for it. They'll be said, oh, you can't wear your hair like that. You can't have that skin and wear that outfit. You know, so that's why we had to establish our own spaces. And so BlurredCon was that opportunity. It's in D.C., which is Chocolate City, you know. And so to be surrounded by a bunch of people who, who know the assignment, who look like me, who talk like the people I recognize, and like there wasn't like any secret codes. It was just all of our culture, but just like the love for anime, the love for comic books, the love for pop culture in general. And it was just a beautiful time. All right, so let's uh, let's take a walk right. down the hall here at Villa Maria. Yeah. And yeah, if you could, because I gotta be honest with you, yeah. I don't know any of these characters. <laughs> I thought I'd know a few. I don't know any of them. So you know, can you maybe as we walk along here, we see some of these folks? Can you help me go through it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, have you seen any character that you didn't know today? I do, I do every time because okay. there's so much out there and All it's right. like you never know exactly what you're going to find and just also people will mix up their outfits too like they they might do a a, a star wars player or they maybe do a cross of a star wars and star trek okay you know what i'm saying so you never know what you're going to find here all right um so i got let's see little totoro that's an anime character a lot of different ears and everything um and some of these cosplays are really good some of yeah. them are really simple some of them are just p pajamas that people wanted to wear out you know <laughs> anything that shows the love for their outfits yeah um, well, yeah well how about for you like you're how did you grow into this kind of interest of this type of thing i just was drawn to it it was just magnetic like i just how you doing i love your outfit well, who's this you? well i'm like can you help me can we interview can we interview real oh, quick yeah, yeah sure. hi oh well anthony well anthony why don't you explain who, who no do we have here i have no idea what this outfit is but okay I feel like i have an idea why don't you tell me? Yeah, what's your... Uh, I'm cosplaying Stolas from Hell of a Boss. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You went to a great uh, length to, to put this together. Absolutely. Yes, I did. How long did it take you? Um, well, the tail and the headpiece took me a total of three months total. I handmade over 500 feathers. Um, but this was a collaboration between me and my friend Ken. Um, they designed the cape and fabricated the peplum. And I did everything else. What do you like about not just the, the character, but just about the, the concept of doing that at this type of event. I like the sense of community. Uh, everybody here has been super supportive. Everybody here has told me to enter the costume contest without knowing that I'm judging it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that. <laughs> yeah, so everybody here is super supportive, and I just want to give them that support back tenfold that they give me. Nice.
Hey, thanks for sharing. Of course. All right, have a good one. You too. All right, we'll see you later. We'll see you later. Oh, here we go. Hi. Hey. Hi, hi guys. What's going on? I actually know. These characters I actually know. All right, Charlie, come on to explain the characters to me. All right, so first we got T'Challa Star-Lord. So this is a mix that came from uh, a show called What If, where Marvel imagines, like, what if this happened? What if instead of being born in Wakanda or being raised in Wakanda, T'Challa was taken by uh, aliens? Yeah, not Nandu? Yandu. Yandu, Yandu. Um, and he became his own, like this character happened and everybody was like, wow, this is just amazing. So Jordan here, he made his own outfit. He has a, he has a mask that he purchased and he looks really sharp. He does look, he look, looks good. So what drew, drew you to this character? So what drew me to this character was like my friend, he does, it's from the Guardians of the Galaxy. He has a group, Guardians of the Galaxy cosplay group. It's like, and we need a star. Like, okay, I'll do one, but like, I'll do a star that I like. So I like, what if came out and Chadwick's one of his last roles as Marvel, so I chose to become... Star-Lord T'Challa, Star-Lord. So it's like easier for me to start like guys grasp the accents. My, my cosplay, I go full into character mode, everything. But it's really great to like show, okay, there's some representation with cosplay. Mm-hmm. And you just like showing other kids like, okay, you could do this. Don't worry about who judges. Like, if you enjoy it, that's the thing about it. Right. It's interesting, you know, Anthony and I were talking about how, you know, he's been to some of these events before and, you know, some people might get flack. You know, if they're yeah. a person of uh, of color and they're mm-hmm. dressing up as a white, per, uh, yeah. you know, white oh character, vice versa. Well, what what about that for you? So like when I so I have like I watch anime and like a lot of anime. It's okay if you like character. You're a lot like me. Sometimes I can guess myself like, I do I want to cosplay this character? Do I want to get the flack online? Like then I, then I see other people of color who cosplay this and I'm like, no, no, no. They embrace it. Like, no, it's cosplays for everybody, not just because you're saying someone who's you're supposed to be this character. It's like, no, no, no. It's for everybody. One of the best experiences I went to this thing called Dragon Con. And I saw a group of black females cosplay as Sailor, all Sailor Scouts from Sailor Moon, each one like, representing themselves and they see themselves as a character. Because that's the thing. Like, you see yourself in the character and then become the character. That's the thing about cosplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, you want to help me with this one, uh, Anthony? Or <laughs> here we go. All right. So this here is the boss. This here is the emperor. This here is the shogun. This is none other than Shonuf. <laughs> All right. So the Shogun of Harlem. The Shogun of Harlem. So a movie in the 90s. 80s. Sorry, 80s, 80s, 80s. Um, I was born in the 90s, and I watched it in the 90s, but yeah. it was from the 80s. Um, and it's really just a window into martial arts. Like, black people interview. watching martial arts. What up, Levi? I'm mid-interview, fam. Interview. Oh, it's okay. Just come on, hop in. It's, it's all, all good. good. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. Yeah. All right, yeah, good. No all good. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so uh, the movie was The Last Dragon. And it was a movie about a young martial artist who was a black kid. And I'm like, yo, that's dope. I, like, I grew up on Bruce Lee, grew up on Jackie Chan. And then I saw this kid who's in Harlem. And he has such a piece about him that's just really cool. But the antagonist in that movie was Shonuf. And he was a bad mother that I can't say it because some kids just walked by. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I am Shonuf, the Shogun of Harlem. I am the meanest. I am the masterest. I am the baddest low-down mofo around this here town. Who am I? Shonuf. Shonuf. Who am I? Shonuf. The Shogun of Harlem. That is outstanding. Yes, yes. I like that. And so, uh, do you have a name when you're not uh, that you want so, to share with us? So, when I am not shown enough, I am Alexander S. McBride or Sloan Alexander McBride. I am a local cosplayer like Jordan. I very I portray Spider-Man, so that means I am cosplayer ASM1080. I have been the Joker. Yes, yes, that's right. I have too been the Joker. <laughs> And, like, I, I enjoy cosplay because it allows me to just be different people. I also like acting. 
but cosplay, it does. It gives me a chance to play, play around characters, and bounce around from characters that before I really didn't think I would get a chance to play. Like, showing up, I mean, of course, I can play showing up because, like, boom, this is a character that's just steeped in the culture. But when you got characters like the Joker or Spider-Man, even though there are windows, like, you know, they created Miles Morales and things like that. Like, tr traditionally, when people think Spider-Man, they think Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't think Miles or, you know, things like that. So the fact that I can play certain characters and put my spin on them and still have people recognize the character as a character for the authenticity that I bring to it, that's awesome. And that's a great thing as a cosplayer. Yeah, and that's interesting. So like you said, you, you can kind of change people's perceptions about heroes, right? Is heroes, that what you're talking heroes about? Heroes and yeah. villains. Oh, that's right. Villains. Heroes, villains, and all the time. Was Shonuff a villain or a hero? Shonuff was, he was a straight up villain. Straight <laughs> up villain. Because he was sick and tired of these BS Superman stories about the legendary Bruce Leroy. Catch a bullet with his teeth? Catch his bullets with your teeth? Negro, please. <laughs> Shonuff, thank you. You're very welcome. Outstanding. Oh, more, more. Yeah, Here we go. Yeah, more. So, how I was talking about earlier, how people would do like take make their own spin on a costume of a character that already exists. So we got Vacation Boba Fett. Boba Fett is typically a mercenary, but it looks like he's on vacation today. Yeah. I had uh, I had to sell my armor to get here. Uh, so right now I'm going by the name Bobaloha because uh, no. Let's describe Bobaloha's uh, outfit here. Who wants to take a crack? Well, I mean, I guess I'll go. I mean, I look like a dad who just got off the airport at Hawaii. <laughs> and, uh, you know, most of my armor is all taped up, uh, held up by duct tape. So, you know, I couldn't afford uh, any of the straps because, you know, tight tight hours at the business, at the office. So, so I'm sitting here uh, with uh, a very quick thrown together uh, couple pieces of armor yeah. that's it do you do a lot of these kind of events oh uh, yeah i've gone to two of them okay. uh, what do you like about them uh you know good social aspect and uh get to have uh go out and just be a, you know myself do you, do you so uh, so you dress up when you go to these, these yeah places? yeah okay. yeah right now i'm working on uh uh different boba set uh, boba fett uh, i'm working on a medieval boba fett uh armor mm -hmm. but uh oddly enough i just had the helmet and went to walmart and with like 15 bucks and i just you know put this together and then uh, it's actually won me two uh, competitions in the the Boba the Boba Loha. Like I came here last year, and I uh, got uh, the most creative. And then I went to Flower City Con uh, about uh, eight months ago, and I won uh, Judge's Choice. So wow, yeah, it was. I mean, a bunch of people like it. So absolutely, keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you too, man. All right, nice talking to you. Yep. Nice talking to you. Talk you. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We're taking a tour of Villacon at Villa Maria College on Buffalo What's Next. Leading us through is Anthony Pierce of the Afrofuturist group, the Wakanda Alliance. The deep question, but I guess this, there's a lot of depth to the people who come to these places. Mm. You know, they, this is a place where races, you're, you know, race maybe doesn't matter as much as other places that we find in society. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different characters out there and people just love the characters. People love the stories, people love you know, bonding over characters. Like, I could talk to that Boba Fett guy all day about, like, whatever we're watching, whether it's current or whether it's something from the past. Um, and everybody just gets to appreciate the creativity of it, too, like how much effort goes into making an outfit, uh, even if it's low effort, even if it's low effort, but it still entertains you, you know? So there's just so many unifying elements here, um, especially when you got different artists of different generations, of different uh, backgrounds, different cultures, different countries, people who are uh, international who might be 
uh, foreign exchange students, but also like the same thing that American students do. So now they got something to bond over. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hmm. Should we uh, find some more here? Or where yeah, do you want to go? Let's go, go, go in here. Artist Alley. Artist Alley. Okay. Have you been down here yet? Uh, that's my first time down here, so okay. we'll see what see what I find. So right. um, there's different sections of the con. Right. Uh, this is primarily for artists who have their own design work, oh, and okay. you know this is this is their their place to, to bond and, and share. Okay, I gotcha. All right. Well, let's pick something out here, and uh, well, I'll follow your curiosity. How okay, does that cool. sound? All um, right. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of fan art here. So fan art, people are drawing characters they already know, but with their own artistic spin, and it's unique because I mean you can't really it's, it's one of a kind, and you might not see this artist you know anywhere else, or might not see them for another year. And so you want to support them. You want to support how they can take one of the things you like and put their own personal spin on it artistically. So, um, so yeah, I'll take I'll take okay. you through here. Yeah. Um, a lot of anime characters. Yeah. Um, some people will make their own keychain stickers. Oh. And there's so many devices that people can use. Some people make their things out of yarn. You see, these are made out of yarn. Sure. Um, yeah. So you can make. People are making scarves. People are making dolls. People are making keychains. Um, some people 3D print their crafts. Um, yeah, there's just so much. So is this offer. the kind of thing that we'd see at other? Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. absolutely. Everybody has like an artist alley. Everybody has like a different vending place. But yeah, people are exchanging. So much money's being made. Um, and yeah, it's just a great time. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we can. Uh, let's check. Go ahead. You were going to point somewhere, or you just? Oh, we got to go the other way. Yeah, let's go that. I'll, I'll <laughs> Again, we're following your muse gotcha, here. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lead the way here, sir. As we make our way down, have you spent much time here at Villa? What's going on with that? Um, yeah, we've just been communicating with them to see where we can uh, get in, where we can fit in. There's a lot of uh, villas known for being a school of the fine arts, including animation. Um, let's see, animation, digital arts, game design. You know, all the things that that I love. You know, for sure. And so, when it comes to Wakanda Alliance, being able to bring in our world-building aspects. Um, from from our perspective, because there's not enough video games out there that feature black characters or people who are non-white. Um, there's not a lot of there even animation like it's few and far between is out there, but you know we could always use more. So we're really just trying to get students to tell their story through their art, and that's what it, that's what it becomes about. So um, as we continue to develop this relationship with Villa Maria, hopefully they you know will uh, bring us in to do more things. So it, it's interesting. You know, I know I was talking a little bit to the president before and about the uh, diversity yes. here at Villa. You know, Villa's little, it's a smaller place, but it, mm -hmm. uh, he said, I think he said it's the most diverse private institution here. I agree. And uh, is it a welcoming place for you guys? Do you feel welcome? Yeah, yeah, I feel welcome. Every time I walk through the doors, the staff is super encouraging. The students, um, you know, they also come from a, from a background that I recognize, especially the ones who are uh, of, of black origin. Uh, because, you know, this school, it's right on the east side of Buffalo, between Buffalo and Chictawaga. I grew up in Buffalo, um, and it was really it was it was a uh, it was a taboo to be a nerd, to be a geek, to be someone who's interested in stuff like Dungeons and Dragons, stuff that only white kids, quote unquote, do. Um, so, so I know a lot where they're coming from. I think we kind of uh, relate to that level, especially as some of their favorite things are becoming mainstream now. You know, Dungeons and Dragons just got a big movie. Um, some of the, the, the anime characters they grew up with have deals with Nike. Like you, you got Nike shoes or Adidas shoes that feature a character you grew up watching when somebody was telling you that character is stupid or you're childish for liking it. But now they're doing big major multi-million dollar deals with major companies. So it's like it's cool to be a geek now. 
So I think that that plays a, a big factor in what we do. It's interesting how you said it, like it's, it's cool to be a geek now. And I was talking to John Washington, your partner yeah. in, in the Galactic Tribe, a little bit about this and talking about how you know, so many kids here in Buffalo, especially on the east side, mm-hmm. in poverty, you know, there's, you know, I mean, we, I, and a lot of think that that's a somewhat familiar story, but always yeah, yeah. worth repeating. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think? This is a good pathway for kids who are struggling. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, because you get to see the things. It, is, it feels normal. You don't you don't feel odd anymore. If you come to a comic convention, you don't feel out of place. You don't feel dorky. You don't feel geeky. And if you if you feel geeky, you might find somebody who's geekier than you, and totally cool with it, totally comfortable with it. So I think it's a great a great way to find your comfort zone and and find your people. You know, everybody needs to have a community, no matter what they're into, whether it is uh, poker. Or whether it's Pokemon. <laughs> I like it. I yeah, like how's it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You're a creative guy. All right, any more? You want to continue on here for a couple oh, more yeah, minutes? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm using your. Uh, I've almost used up my my allotment of time with oh, you. So, good, I, good. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you're giving you good stuff. Oh, you're giving me great stuff. That's for sure. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, it's intergenerational, which also works with us. Hey, DJ, you got time for a quick interview? Or are you moving? Sure. All right, All right great. Cool. So DJ here works at Villamaria. I forgot your position. Uh, Dean of Students. Dean of Students, that's what I figured. Okay, so DJ's been super helpful and supportive of the Galactic Tribe, us being here uh, at VillaCon for the second second year in a row. Um, it's probably my seventh time on Villa Maria doing a, doing a campus event, so it's been really supportive, and we can't thank y'all enough for having us again. Oh, my God, of course. I love having you guys on campus, especially when you, you have such awesome programs that are engaging with our students. Mm-hmm. It connects with our student population. Yeah, yeah. It's match made in heaven. And we love having you guys here, too. So, How'd you connect with them? Uh, we actually had an advocacy fair last spring, so spring of 22, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and we had a, a whole slew of people signed up to come, and only Wakanda <laughs> Alliance actually showed up. Yeah. Um, and so we got to know them really well at that, and then we we're like, hey, we've got this Villacon thing coming up in a, you know, a couple weeks. And so it was really just like kind of this like clandestine moment. Like, mm-hmm. He was the lone person, and we were like, let's talk some more about this. Uh, and I noticed you didn't dress up, DJ. No, I, uh, I'm a Villacon volunteer. If that was a cosplay, I hope I would win. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's not a, not a, a, a character that you would uh, aspire to here or not? So I'm known around here around Halloween for dressing up as Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Oh, so I have, and I consider myself to be pretty, like, nerdy. I love all things Ghibli. Um, I love my JRPGs. So, like, parts of this con, I'm, like, always searching. I'm like, ooh, where's Totoro? Where's Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, where's Final yeah. Fantasy? Oh, yeah, uh, for cute. some of those things that I love. Um, but, you know, and I have a Keyblade. I love my Keyblade. But I uh, just, you know, felt... Since I was volunteering today, I wanted to make sure I looked the part. Top of <laughs> yeah. uh, DJ, thanks. No, of course. Uh, we'll I ask you a question, too? How does it feel to like bond with, do you like feel like you're bonding with the stu- students now that you kind of see the geek in them, too? Oh, yeah. So, I, so I've been here at Villa. Um, I'm wrapping up year eight here. So I've had a lot of different roles. Um, and I'm always student forward facing so I'm always I always have students coming in with me and so yeah when I, they're like DJ are you wearing Sora for uh, Villacon I'm like well like I wasn't working maybe but you know it's also just like a party city costume sure. so um, but you know hey it like resonates it clicks and it's something I have in common with a lot of them um, so I know I've been anything Kingdom Hearts I saw today I scooped it right up so awesome of course thanks guys anybody else you want to interview um 
Not at the moment. I mean, yeah. if I run into somebody, I definitely will. Yeah. At the moment, yeah, that's pretty much that's it. DJ's been like the the one I've worked with in most proximity, but also the vice president and the president have been very supportive as well. Um, so yeah, Dr. Harnett and uh, Dr. G, they've been very supportive. They've anything I want to do, they're like, yo, let's make it. Let's find a way to make it. And it's not like I'm asking for anything outrageous or anything like that, but. You know, we, we both recognize that the kids need this, the young people need this, the next generation needs this, because this is what's going to be building our world. These are the ones who are going to go on to work in those industries that call for unique talents, but you need confidence for that talent. And you have to have a community around you to really uh, grow that confidence in yourself so that you aren't afraid of whatever the industry or whatever people in general could bring at you. Right. And then finally, so what, what kind of lesson is here at a place like this, at this on an event like this, for everybody. That people that are out there, like you said, you know, like for someone like me, you're t we're saying like, you know, who's the geekiest guy here? It's probably the 61-year-old guy with the microphone and the ugly sweater. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, what kind of uh, what kind of lessons? What kind of lesson is there for everybody here? The lesson is there's a place for everybody as long as you have. The lesson is as long as there's um, there's somebody out there for everybody, there's a community out there for anything you're into and that community, as long as it's welcoming, there's things that can grow there. And so, you know, if you, if you feel like you feel out of place in this world, maybe it takes you going online, maybe it takes you going outside, either way. You know, there's somebody, you're not alone. You're not alone in this world at all. So that's the lesson I want to bring. What's next for the Galactic Tribe? The Galactic Tribe, uh, we got a number of things. We have a steam, a steam lab going on with the foundry that's going on really well. Um, we have our Wakanda Alliance Academy, where we're hiring teams to learn how to build workshops alongside with us and learn different life skills for leadership development and career development. And um, just being out in the sunshine again. You know, Juneteenth is coming up. That's like our we'll favorite. Be seeing you at Juneteenth? Oh, yeah, you'll be seeing me at Juneteenth. Oh, yeah, I'm out here. The sun is shining most of the time. Worse. Sun or rain, like, I'm going to be having a good time in Juneteenth. So that's our big holiday. We got a party planned and everything. So we're looking forward to the rest of the year. Hey, thanks for taking us through Billicon. Yeah, thank you. See you next year. Again, a special thanks to Anthony Pierce of the Wakanda Alliance for sharing his Saturday with us at Villa Maria College's Villacon. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. NPR's Student Podcast Challenge is back. Student podcasters in grade 5 through 12 can submit entries. The deadline is April 28th. Visit npr.org slash studentpodcastchallenge2023 for more information. Thank you. Make ready. Fire. Some of the most iconic sites of the War of 1812 are right here in the Niagara region. Old Fort Niagara is a, a living history museum. Explore these historic sites in the WNED PBS original production, 1812 on the Niagara Frontier, now on YouTube. Check out the places dedicated to preserving and presenting this history of the War of 1812 to the public. We hope that they take away an appreciation for Sir Isaac Brock. He is known as a savior of Upper Canada. We want them to walk away knowing why. 1812 on the Niagara Frontier captures the passion each of these unique locations brings to the history of the War of 1812. Watch it now on the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. 
Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And good morning and welcome back to uh, Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran and uh, joined now for the second time, I think, on this program, Alex Burgos. Yes. Welcome. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you. This time the Erie County uh, Department of Health uh, puts you in touch with us in the sense that there's an event going on that we wanted to talk about a little bit because I think it, it touches upon the fact that of a need that still needs to be addressed. Yes. Let's talk about this. this is something that's happening tomorrow. It's, it's It has to do with vaccination. Yes. So uh, tomorrow I am partnering with the Erie County Department of Health, um, and we are doing a pop-up vaccine and education clinic at uh, the Pucho Social Club on Swan Street uh, from 6 to 10 p.m., um, we're going to be doing first do- first and second doses as well as boosters um, for COVID-19. Um, but people can come and just ask questions or they can come and support the salsa class, um, get food and socialize. Um, but really the purpose of it is to engage um, the Hispanic and Latino community here in Western New York um, who historically experience uh, deep levels of mistrust in the healthcare system but uh, also fall through the cracks, right? And so a lot of what we're doing is really emphasizing and moving forward on initiatives such as language access, um, addressing transportation barriers, affordability barriers, um, cultural barriers, but also, um, most importantly, barriers of trust. You touched on a couple of things there that intrigue me. And right off the bat, language barriers. Now, in a way, it seems obvious, right? That, yes. you know, if you're Hispanic and if you've, you've come here from, let's say, Puerto Rico, you yes. might have an issue in that regard. How widespread, though, does it remain? You, there's a, maybe a, a sense that perhaps bilingualism has taken over, but uh, apparently not. Well, you know, I think we even, in Buffalo, we really have to look even beyond the case of just bilingualism and and look at it from the scope of multilingualism. Because if you look at, like, Lafayette High School in the West Side, for example, there are at least 100 languages spoken there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like many communities in, in the city of Buffalo, uh, the West Side uh, has a very diverse community, Hundreds of languages spoken, people from all over the world. So uh, I think, um, you know, language access for languages like Spanish um, are a start, but uh, we're going to continue to grow and expand um, beyond that. But uh, there are resources already available to help bridge that gap. Um, So the need is there and the need will always be there, especially as Buffalo continues to grow and, um, you know, attract uh, new residents uh, from all over the world. Um, but strides are already being made to make sure that we're working towards building a healthcare system, um, education system that uh, is culturally responsive and inclusive of everybody. And we had uh, Kelly Walford in here uh, last week uh, from the Office of Health Equity. Their monthly newsletter that they put out, I think, is out in seven different languages right now. So that yes. it does mo- certainly... A point to what you're saying that there are efforts being made, yes, but a lot more to be done. And, and maybe before we get into technical or practical 
approaches to this. How do you communicate with 100 different languages if you're in Lafayette High School? Is there a, a sensitivity or an approach that needs to be maybe embraced by everybody, knowing the fact that, like you said, there are so many different cultures here in the city of Buffalo? Well, I think, you know, the first thing is uh, openness, right? You know, we can't be perfect. Uh, it's hard for people to get things right all the time. But what's most important is that we remain open, is that we remain open to feedback, that uh, we be approachable, that we don't be dogmatic, um, and that we continue to bring the community forward and collectively come up with policies uh, that work for everyone, or at least try to. Um, you know, many institutions have things, many folks don't know this, uh, live interpretation language lines, right, which can have uh, interpretation services available in many languages um, for our city of Buffalo residents. Um, this is available in, you know, healthcare settings. This is available in gover government organizations. This is available, um, you know, in some cases in schools or college campuses. Um, so it's really important in, uh, you know, getting the information out there that these things are available or that you should know to ask, or you should, you know, not know, but um, you should ask for them. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, many people don't know. So a lot of this really goes in uh, not only uh, strengthening issues of trust and health access, uh, but also teaching people how to advocate for themselves. You don't, if you mentioned trust again, and that is a big thing, and it has, uh, it's behind having this event tomorrow. Uh, when it comes to, to vaccination, what's eroding that trust? What's blocking that trust? What are some of the, the impediments? You know, it is something that is longstanding, right? Um, particularly in the Hispanic community and communities of color at large, uh, it goes back to things like that language barrier. It goes back to things like historical trauma. Um, it goes into... Uh, you know, the ways in which communities engage with each other and so forth that contribute all to that mistrust, right? And so I think it's really important that, particularly in healthcare settings and perhaps other organizations, you know, other organizations, that uh, health and community be brought in equal parts, right? Uh, to me, those are just some of the key pillars on how to make a successful organization, how to make programming that is effective and reaches everyone. But at the end of the day, it needs to keep the community in the loop. We're talking with Alex uh, Burgos uh, with us this morning on Buffalo What's Next, joining us uh, for the second time since the inception of the show. And we're glad to have him uh, with us here to talk about um, a, a variety of issues. Uh, Alex has uh, very generously agreed to, to kind of take on a, a couple of different things. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to the health issue in a little bit because we'll repeat the information and make sure that everybody understands yeah. what's available. Yes. But another thing that you got involved in was the, vis the visit of uh, Michael Knowles to the University of Buffalo campus. Yes. Um, first, what prompted you to get involved? Um, you know, I think Michael Knowles uh, coming here um, to Buffalo, the city of Buffalo, particularly after um, making his comments about uh, transgenderism needing to be eradicated from public life, uh, is particularly jarring, especially with the levels of trauma that the city of Buffalo has experienced um, over the past several years, especially within the last year, 
Um, I also think Michael Knowles being such a huge proponent of things such as replacement theory um, is also extremely jarring, right? And so when folks and you know, when organizers of the University of Buffalo protest um, invited me to speak, I went with a very deep sense of purpose. And uh, I knew that I needed to convey the message um, in a way that uh, was not only very um, assertive, but also in a way that felt uh, very down to earth for the community that I represent. Right. So I am Hispanic, um, but I am also a member of the LGBT community. And so uh, with that being said, it's incredibly important that uh, we make strides to take care of the most vulnerable folks in our community. Um, and those people are, for example, like trans people of color um, who probably uh, feel the effects of comments like Michael Knowles and legislation directed towards the trans community um, the most. And I think when you look at things like some of the, you know, over 300 anti-LGBTQ bills that have been introduced around the country, um, at its best, uh, it's an infringement, but at its worst, for the most vulnerable people in our community, it is a death sentence. So uh, we need to be loud, we need to be proud, and uh, we need to fight back in the face of injustice. Do you feel that uh, here in Buffalo, in New York State, perhaps more broadly, those types of pieces of legislation have no chance, have no bearing, or is there... Need, does there still need to be a vigilance in regards to that to make sure such things don't arrive in this community? Um, I think the greatest enemy to progress is complacency, right, and comfort. Um, I think when we grow too comfortable, uh, that's when things happen. Uh, I think when there uh, isn't understanding or enough outreach and education on things like civic engagement, um, in underserved communities, um, that is when our ability to advocate for ourselves, our ability to protect one another ultimately is hindered, right? And so um, I don't think in the current state of the world, any place is truly 100% safe, right? And so we need to make sure that even though we are making great progress and we're making strides, that advocacy continues to evolve and shift in many different ways, um, but that our advocacy also goes down into a community level where we're giving folks, um, you know, spaces to decompress, spaces to feel safe, spaces to be themselves, spaces to ask questions, um, and ultimately continuously providing that education and re-educating ourselves, right? So, um, as folks who are advocates of the community continue to push the needle forward. I'm glad that you brought up replacement theory. And before we sat down and went live on the air, you mentioned that Mr. Knowles is an advocate or has been an advocate of replacement theory. Yes. We, um, you know, we're here having this show right now because of what happened on May 14th. Yes. May 14th has been directly attached to replacement theory. Yes. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to get into a huge discussion about it in this regard, but I still think it, it highlights kind of what you're saying. Complacency can be dangerous. Yes. And we've seen what can happen here in the city of Buffalo. Let's talk just a little bit about replacement theory 
you obviously it's something that caught your attention and you wanted to address. What are you hearing in that regard? Who are, I mean, it, it to me, I recall hearing about it on May 14th, and I couldn't believe such a thing even existed. I, I, I mean, I, I have to plead that type of ignorance. What about that? I mean, are, are, is that still something that has, has some sort of strong backing? I mean, I, I find it hard to believe. Um, you know, I would, I would say so. I mean, if whether the number, you know, I'm not so much concerned. Well, I am concerned with the number of followers it may have, but I'm more concerned with the impact that it has. Right, the way that it propels people to do such. Um, evil and inhumane acts. Um, so, you know, whether it has a million followers or it has three followers, uh, at the end of the day, um, the number of followers is important, but the acts that coincide with it are the more scary thing, right? Because if there's a million people that they believe in it, but they do nothing with it, um, and there are three people or there are three people who believe in it and they do something horrible, uh, you know, it, it comes it, it makes you ask yourself, well, which one is worse? I don't know. Um, but ultimately, I think the number of people who do subscribe to that belief set is dangerous. But what worries me more is people who subscribe to that belief set and act on it in ways that infringe on our humanity, in ways that hurt people, in ways that what like what we saw last year in Buffalo um, result in such horrific and traumatizing tragedy. And also people who fan the flames of that as well. We'll uh, continue this conversation. Alex Burgos with us. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. Pumpkin toadlets get a hearing. I'm Bob Hershon, and this is Science Update. This cricket-like sound is the call of a tiny pumpkin toadlet from southern Brazil. Now, researchers write in scientific reports that the bright orange frog can't hear its own voice. Herpetologist Sandra Goot says the males call frequently, likely impressing females by visually inflating their air sacs. While at the University of Campinas, Goot and her colleagues found that the toadlets don't respond when played recordings of their own calls. Looking even further, that's when we found that the organ responsible for high-frequency hearing, the inner ear itself, was vestigial. She says the highly poisonous amphibian hangs out in broad daylight, unafraid of predators, but probably evolved from a shyer, less toxic species with a functional inner ear. I'm Bob Hershon for AAAS, the Science Society. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And back on Buffalo What's Next with Alex Burgos. And uh, before we went to break, we were just uh, kind of going back a little bit to your uh, speech over at the University of Buffalo upon the visit of uh, Michael Knowles. Um, What did you make of the... Let's not talk about necessarily the UB administrative response to Michael Knowles being on campus. We can talk about that in a second. What about what you saw on campus when you were there? What was the sense? What was the feeling? Um, Were you encouraged? 
Well, you know, I saw two sides. Uh, well, I saw that everyone there uh, was practicing their right to free speech and freedom of expression. Uh, but I saw two sides of the of the token, right? I saw folks who are on his side, folks who reinforce and have those same or at least some of those beliefs. And then I saw us, the side I was on, of folks who don't have those beliefs. And I think it's all about intention, right? And that was one of the key takeaways from that. What is the intention of each side? And I think, I think people are smart. And I think people need to look at what the intention is and accept the truth, right? And that can be very uncomfortable for a lot of people, especially um, when they may be on the side of someone like Michael Knowles, right? Confronting what it is that those belief sets hold, what they perpetuate, um, what the real intention and purpose is behind them, Um I imagine that if folks did some self-reflection and understood uh, what isn't what those beliefs entail, um, it would probably be a very uncomfortable moment of realization, right? Uh, versus the side I was on, um, we were promoting love, we were promoting freedom, we are promoting autonomy, we are promoting equity, um, and uh, you know. Myself, even being on that side, I always reflect on the ways in which I can be um, a better ally, a better advocate, um, a better leader for the community. Um, and I hope that people do that reflection, that they do that work, right? I'm, I'm not the kind of person that necessarily subscribes to things like cancel culture right. or completely um, disregarding people of any opportunities of redemption I do hope that uh, people do that work that they need, and that they can um, that they can also heal. It's interesting to use the word intention, though, and that that really is a a, a good way, or at least it's a, a a clear way of looking at this idea of allowing someone to speak and speak their their mind at the same time. Like you said, there is a, an underlying intention. It does seem yes on under these political or I don't know if they're political philosophical well, they are. yeah um, then we look to the University of Buffalo the administrative uh, administration and I just also also want to point out I spoke to one individual whose transgender daughter is a University of Buffalo student and as he pointed out his transgender daughter paid student activity fees that funded mr. Knowles visit to the University of Buffalo. What about that? Is there a sense that maybe the administration should have stepped in? Or was it at the end of the night saying, we've we've established who we are, we've established opposition to this individual, we've done what we could, um, he has a right to speak? You know, I don't know if I can necessarily speak on that because I don't have full knowledge on all the policies in place at the University of Buffalo and, you know, what happens behind closed doors, right? And I don't want to make an assumption of what um, any intended or, you know, any responses were behind the scenes from administration. But what I will say is that what we can do is continue to work 
um, with, you know, administration at the University of Buffalo as community leaders, as advocates, and students um, who, like you mentioned, do pay their student dues to fund activities um, to make sure that everybody feels included, that everybody feels safe, and that everybody feels welcome. From a personal standpoint, you know, I stand in rejecting any hateful rhetoric, and I don't believe that it should be welcomed here in um, Buffalo or Western New York, um, but that all starts with working with the people who can make those decisions, right? Um, and so for me, I am, I try, you know, it's important to look back for a reference point on what not to do or what to do. But in this case, this is something where I'm looking forward, right? How can we make sure that our, you know, that our, our, community here in Buffalo, the LGBT community, and students that go to UB feel protected going forward. Um, You know, as I mentioned earlier, unfortunately, we don't always get things right. Uh, We're not always perfect. But uh, in knowing that, in recognizing mistakes that have been made, and remembering those mistakes, we can create better policy that is more inclusive and fosters a safe environment for everybody going forward. Can you imagine a future where, like you said, that rejection of hate is so common that that type of hateful speech is totally on the margins. Can you picture that in this country? Well, you know, when you look at things like the history of, you know, racism, homophobia, transphobia, um, it's always evolved into ways that are more acceptable, right? So, when you look at the history of, you know, racism, for example, uh, we had things like slavery, right? And then when that was no longer the law of the land, we had things like segregation. And when that was no longer the law of the land, um, we have arguably what we have now, right? Where we have, you know... um, There's still structures in place that are... Yes, absolutely. I I mean, you know, even looking as most recently in 2016, uh, the way in which the rhetoric has shifted and evolved um, and has gotten so much more extreme on the right, uh, I think is an example of how this evolves, right, into ways that are more acceptable for the time. And though I don't consider it to be acceptable... Um, nor I imagine my community does, um, I think, you know, rhetoric such as uh, promotion of things like replacement theory are the ways in which um, that cultural malignancy uh, continues to evolve, right? So as I mentioned earlier, we can never truly go grow comfortable or complacent because the ways in which bigotry and hate and um, infringements on our rights and freedoms, uh, you know, continue, will always evolve. And so we always have to be prepared to tackle the next challenge. And, you know, as folks, you know, who do work in the community, we have to remember that this is not just about us or the people that are here now. We are stewards for the people who are going, who are going to come after us. And so continuing to maintain and build upon that framework of progress um, is also just as important. And also, uh, we're talking about a a very weighty, very big type of issues right here. 
I want to bring them back home just a little bit into local politics just a little bit. We're going to kind of shift from from a, a, a wider perspective to something that's a little smaller. But you're an you're active politically. You're in the Niagara District in the city of Buffalo. Yes. And uh, yeah, I guess you you obviously know Councilman Rivera. Yes, yes. Everyone's favorite council member. Uh, today is actually his birthday. Um, so I just want to say a quick happy birthday to David A. Rivera, um, Niagara District Council member. Now, he may, I guess he's in council chambers right now, so he's not going to be able to hear that, but he perhaps can hear our, the rebroadcast coming up at nine o'clock tonight. Um, I just don't want to make sure that we uh, roll back, though, into the event tomorrow. Uh, the vaccination clinic that's that's going on, make sure that everybody understands the details and its purpose. Yes. Um, well, you know, the purpose of tomorrow is to offer, um, you know, the community a safe space to be able to ask questions, to be able to talk, to be able to come together in community, um, but, you know, also to learn about the COVID-19 vaccine. And if they need it, um, it is available. If they have questions, um, you know, they are free to, and welcome to ask. Um, but ultimately, it really is fostering safe, inclusive, and equitable environments that bring community and health in equal parts um, to make sure that we are reaching folks who historically fall through the cracks of the healthcare system, um, getting them back connected into care, and ultimately teaching themselves how to be better advocates for themselves and their community. And the time and place? 6 p.m., at Pucho community at Pucho Social Club on Swan Street, and you said there's event other events going on besides the the, the vaccination clinic. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, um, Fanny is having her uh, weekly salsa class. It's eight dollars for admission. It happens every week, um, and Pucho's Kitchen is also open. They have really really good food. Really? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, and so, it, what's you the know, specialty? Uh, they have their food menu, so they you know they sell things like uh, fried pork. Um, they sell tostones, pastelillos. Uh, oh, their chicken wings are really good. Um, That's big talk in this town. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh well, yeah. They 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 definitely do a great job. Um, so you know, uh, it's a way to get the community together, get them informed, but also continue to support um, our Latino organizations that are doing really great work here in Western New York. And still very active. What's what's next? For uh, for the Latino community, what's where do we where do we go from here besides this event tomorrow? Well, you know, I think my work never stops. Right, right. this is a community I'm part of. This is a community I love, um, and I love the city of Buffalo a- as a whole. So, I mean, this do you feel is... welcome in the city of Buffalo? Is it a welcoming place for the Latino community? Um, you know, I think I think most people here share the values uh, that I share of being welcoming and inclusive. Um, you know, obviously there's work to do, um, as there always will be for the rest of time. But, um, you know, for myself, my intention is to continue to be an advocate for uh, communities of color and underserved communities as a whole to make sure that we are continuing to move the needle forward um, and progress in ways um, that are adaptive to the current times. Well, we're uh, almost out of time here. Final thoughts, uh, Alex. I mean, we were going to—I wanted to get a little more into politics because I know that's uh, a passion of yours. Uh, optimistic about the future, or maybe not so much with the near future here. Uh, you know, I, I try to be an optimist. Um, you know, I, I think that being optimistic is one of the best ways that we can progress forward, right? Because we're thinking with a clearer vision. Um, we're thinking on 
the values and philosophies of what is possible versus what is impossible. I like the way that sounds. Alex Burgos, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to uh, Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. Of course, we'll be back with you tomorrow at 11, as I mentioned, the rebroadcast at 9 o'clock. And also you can check out the archive shows at WBFO.org. And it's also available as a podcast as well. It's Buffalo What's Next. It's produced uh, by Lorenzo Rodriguez. The associate producer is Charles Gilbert. This is WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.